You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. We are in the second week of our Advent series, and this week's theme is peace. And I'm seeing more and more reports coming out about people dealing with depression, about anxiety, about people wrestling with suicidal thoughts. And I want us to take care of ourselves as a church. I want us to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and each other and that we do that well during this time. We said this to start, Advent is a time of preparation and anticipation in the darkest days of the year. I think it was Al that mentioned in care group this week, just the feeling of going to work in the dark and going home in the dark. And, and uh, for some of us, we don't have windows from our office space. And so it's just dark and it feels dark. And the darkness has a tendency to weigh on us. So in the darkest days of the year for the arrival of the light of the world... And I want us to consider our mental health, both our mental health and those close to us. Jesus said these words in John chapter 14, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now for the disciples... The Holy Spirit was to remind them of the things that Jesus said when they were in his presence. For you and I, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that Jesus says when we engage in his scriptures on a regular basis. So hopefully you're building a a regular pattern of either reading the scriptures or listening to someone else read the scriptures, but we need that time. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, this word for peace, it's in the Hebrew, it's shalom. It's probably the word that Jesus used as he's talking with his disciples. In the American conscious, peace is not the same as it is in the Hebrew conscious. For us, we think in terms of peace of being lack of chaos or lack of war. In their minds, though, it has to do with prosperity, with health, and with wholeness. So it's not just a lack of something, but it's, a, it's actually possession of something very significant. And, and for them, shalom is a greeting that they express to each other. And it's, it's something that they're pursuing and, and they believe that, that the Messiah is going to bring shalom. Think in terms of the lion and the lamb coming together. I think it's in Isaiah that talks about that. That's the picture of peace. It's a picture of shalom. It's a picture of this world being set back to its original design. And when I think about what robs us of our shalom, at the top of the list has to be fear and anxiety. 
fear and anxiety. We have fears. Some of them are uh, congruent. Some of those, some of them are incongruent. For me, being fearful of a spider, it's probably not that congruent, right? What am I, a billion times bigger than a spider? And yet when I see one, man alive, does it create an emotional reaction inside of me? If you come running at me with a spider, one of you is going to die, maybe both. Just saying. Just saying. Maybe an incongruent fear, because the likelihood of that spider hurting me is so, so, so tiny. But in that moment, you cannot convince me that that's a, a, a valid argument. But the, but the complexity of fear is that sometimes we should be afraid. There are dangers in our world. And of course, we're called to fear the Lord who is a good father. The complexity of anxiety is that it is a red flag that something is wrong and needs to be addressed. Now, I kind of separate fear and anxiety this way. Fear has to do with what's in front of me. If I walk out my front door and there's a grizzly bear and I become afraid, that makes sense, right? If I walk out my front door and I have an anxiety about bears because I live in Montana, That's the difference. Fear is about what's in front of you. Anxiety is about what's possible, what the potential is. And, and unfortunately, there's a thousand different potentials, right? There's always, the potential is there. Is, it poten- is there a potential that I could get eaten by a bear in Montana? I guess, I guess. I haven't even seen one yet since moving here, but the potential's there. Trauma, trauma is the source of our fears and anxieties. And there's three kinds, there's three ways that we experience trauma. The first is called acute trauma. This is the result of a single stressful, dangerous event. Picture 9-11. It's a big, catastrophic event, short in time. Big, catastrophic, short in time. Chronic trauma is long in time, but short in its initial impact. It's a result of repeated and prolonged exposure to stressful events. COVID-19 has been more chronic than acute for most of us. It's been this chronic stress. It's been this the separation that we've had or the potential that grandma or grandpa could get sick or in my case, my sister-in-law who's going through chemotherapy. She just can't afford to get COVID and, and yet she did and she was fine. But that would be chronic trauma where 9-11 would be acute trauma. And then complex trauma is when you got different sources of trauma come, come in all in one short period of time. Some examples of trauma. 
unwanted or coercive sexual contact. That could be traumatic. Actual or attempted infliction of physical pain. Verbal abuse, emotional abuse, cyberbullying. Neglect, whether it's physical neglect or, or medical neglect. A serious accident or an illness or medical procedure. Or maybe just watching someone go through one of these events can be tra traumatic. And our experiences with trauma drives our fear and our anxiety response becomes this automatic trigger for us that we don't have to think about, it just happens. And we call this our flight, fight, or freeze response. This is an emotional response, it's not logical, it's emotional to a current event based off of something that took place back in the past. And even though today's event is small in nature, it reminds us of that, that event in the past, whether it was chronic or acute, whether it was a bunch of small series of events like bullying in the, in the playground or an abusive parent or a 9-11 type event, but we respond to this event right here, right now, as if it was that event. And it's this automatic flight, fight, or freeze response. And instead of addressing the source of our anxiety, we spend our energy on destructive coping mechanisms like explosive anger or avoidance or isolation or we turn to alcohol or substance abuse. For my dad, when he became anxious about things, he would work harder. He would work longer. He became a workaholic. He became an alcoholic. He became sexually addicted. For my mom, her trauma that she experienced was she lost her dad through a plane accident when she was seven, and then she was physically abused and probably sexually abused by one of her brothers over and over and over and over again. And she determined in her mind that she was going to take nothing from nobody, five to 105 pounds when wet, and she was going to take nothing from nobody, even a toddler named Rob. And somehow that toddler would remind her of these past events and she would respond with anger. And she would respond with her own abuse. And our fear and our anxiety drives us to act in ways that we would never choose to act. It becomes this automatic response. 
in our Advent story that we're going to look at today, we have to assume that Mary experienced trauma as a young lady. If we think in terms of the world that she grew up in, Herod was brutal, absolutely brutal. Rome was brutal, absolutely brutal. In the area that Mary grew up in, the, uh, hmm, the zealots, the zealots were, were prominent in Galilee where Mary was living. And the clashes between the Romans and the zealots were fierce and bloody and ugly. And so if we read this story with this lens of understanding that that Mary's world is unsafe, it may give us a picture of what God's doing here. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Uh, This statement, I think, would be a hard pill to swallow for Mary in this moment. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Because her experience says otherwise. And I don't know if you've honestly gone to scriptures in a time where you're saying, God, I see what you're saying, but my experience says otherwise. I know I have. I know I've gone to God in prayer and said, Lord, I see it. I believe you mean it, but that's not my experience right now. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Literally, don't have a phobia. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And he'll be great and be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There'll be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth. Now look at this here, because this... This is God's provision in this moment. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this, the sixth month of her who was called barren. God's going to do a miracle, Mary. But to let you know that this is true because this is dangerous. This is dangerous. God's providing another miracle. 
for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Then verse 39, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Mary lives in a dangerous world. By the way, for a young Jewish woman to be pregnant and not married, isn't that dangerous? In that time, isn't that dangerous? Didn't God just make things a little more dangerous for Mary? But how important is Elizabeth to Mary in this moment? See, sometimes when God wants to do something about our fears and and our anxiety, it's going to feel more dangerous. It's going to feel risky. It's going to challenge us at our very core. And for God to do something about the world that Mary lived in, for for God to bring a savior into the world, it's the same thing. It's dangerous. It's scary. Who knows how this is going to work other than the God of the heavens. And yet God provides Elizabeth. And so she gets up. Literally, the first word after the angel leaves is she stands up. And I imagine she's like, She's like trying to, she's rushing without looking like she's rushing. Have you ever done that? Where you're trying to, you're trying to get somewhere quick, quick without people noticing that you're trying to get there quick. Like, I, I got this secret and God says he's doing something cool and I got to go see my cousin because I'm not sure what to do with what he just told me. When Jesus says, Shalom, I leave with you. He wants to replace those traumatic experiences with new ones. This is why we have to build a community within church that is absolutely safe so that we can provide people with space to have a brand new kind of experience. These new experiences help us move beyond our flight, fight, and freeze response. When we have these new experiences, we build these new memories, and these new memories can replace those old ones. Now, finding peace when you face trauma, honestly, it's not easy. It's not. And it's not simple. And I know some of you have pursued peace for a long time, and I still believe that God wants to provide that, that peace. And I believe we have to embrace everything, everything that God provides. In this particular case, Mary has provided Martha. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. Martha just rhymes easier, I don't know. Um, But God provides church community, 
He provides counselors. He provides medication, which sometimes the church is known for, not, not Mission Ridge, but the, the larger church is known for rejecting medication when it comes to our brain chemistry, but not when it comes to our heart or any other part of our body. That doesn't make sense to me. If God provides medication, we should embrace that. He provides people that have skills and insight and wisdom, like, like the YWCA and the shelter that they provide women and children who are trying to come out of an abusive situation. I think of the Sparks of Life retreats that Al and Barbie have been a part of, and they went there first to experience some peace. And now they put on those retreats to help with those retreats so that others can experience that peace. And provide scriptures and prayer. And we need to embrace all these things. And whatever God's providing for you, I'd encourage you to embrace that. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then this is Mary's response. And I believe that Mary would not have had this response hadn't been for the words of her cousin. But she says this, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his ser servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary relied on God's provision in this particular case, which is her cousin. She finds community there, which is so important. We need community. And as we consider our mental health and mental health of those around us, maybe the first step is providing them with community. Maybe your first step is connecting into community. I love that God provides these comforting words through the Holy Spirit, through Elizabeth. These words that would embolden and encourage Mary. Because Mary's world 
is still dangerous. But maybe this is the first step of God replacing those old memories with new memories. To where Miracle put aside her fears and her anxieties. Mary saw hope and peace in the scriptures. In her proclamation here, she quotes or references 10 Old Testament passages, seven of which are Psalms. She knew her scriptures, but these words move from the academic to to real and life-giving in this moment when she could apply them to her specific situation. Do you know your scriptures like this? Have you allowed the scriptures to provide you with hope, with peace, and amidst the challenges, the dangerous world that you live in? A scripture that I've gone to over and over and over again is found in Philippians 4. It says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, for me personally, I've come to this set of scriptures last 20 years. Sometimes on my knees, sometimes crying, sometimes angry, sometimes frustrated, sometimes fearful. I've come to this set of verses over and over and over again. And I see this scripture like this picture here. So this is a road. You're heading down the road of life. And for me, this time of year, uh, I feel like I'm in the same spot that I was last year. We have this medical debt that's, that's just burying us as a family. And so I'm a planner. I'm starting to think about January, February, March, and April, and my son getting married next summer, and that expense, and wanting to have money to pay for that, and wanting to pay cash instead of using the credit card. And when I spend time with that conversation, there's two paths that I can take. I could take the one to the left, which is anxiety. I could spend 30 minutes, and believe me, I already have, if I could spend 30 minutes anxiously thinking about where our finances are and where they potentially or probably or may be several months down the road from now. Has anybody else done this? I'm just preaching to myself. (laughs) Or, Or I could spend that same amount of time taking the path to the right, spending it in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. If I spend 30 minutes going on the path 
to the left, which is anxiety, it will draw from me physically. I will spend energy. I will lose energy. I'll feel less peaceful when I get through that 30-minute time. If I take the path to the right, a prayer and thanksgiving supplication, I'll find more energy. I'll find more hope. I'll have more peace. It's how I spend my time in those moments. I can't be on both paths at the same time. I've I've got a choice. This is just one of the countless tools I find in the scriptures. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And I know some of you guys' circumstances, even this week, how that can rob you of peace. I, I know that. It's traumatic. And we do live in a difficult world. And I'm wondering how we're doing. Because I believe that God is true to his word, even if my circumstances don't reveal it today. How are you guys doing this week? How are you doing with this conversation? Are you experiencing his peace? Are you taking advantage of everything that he provides? Counselors, medication, if that helps with the brain chemistry, community, scriptures, prayer. If you're doing okay, how about your friend on the left or on the right? How are they doing? Your neighbor across the street. Do they know about the peace that you experience? The changes that you've seen? The implication is this. Advent is a time of preparation and anticipation in the darkest days of the year for the arrival of the light of the world It is a time to find peace in God who chooses to be with us. He chooses to be with us. If you're shedding tears today, absolutely convinced that he is too. So some next steps. Take time to evaluate what is behind your fears and anxieties. I don't know if you've done this before. If you, if you haven't, you may want to do this with the, with the counselor. If you sit down with Logan or I, we, we may be able to journey with you in part of this. Uh, we may come to appointments like, yeah, I think a counselor is the right next step for you. But, but take some time. What is driving your anxiety? Is it about... Fear of the future? Can you connect it to a trauma of the past? Is it about yourself? Is it is it a fear that you don't measure up? Is there 
a lie that you buy into. There are some lies that I buy into. I know what the lies are, and I still live as if they're true. And sometimes I need someone outside of me going, yeah, Rob, that's not even close to being true. Stop that. Is this recent or is it a long-standing? Does it happen after certain events? For some people, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas is hard. For some people, it's, it's in the morning. For some people, it's at night. For some people, it's centered around meals because of something that took place when they were a kid. Have you started a new medication? Because we've seen that with, with our youngest. Sometimes the medication that they were taking started causing these anxiety responses. Our, body, our bodies are delicate mechanisms that are complex, and, and we don't respond to medication the same way. And so, so maybe your increased anxiety is just something you started taking that was prescribed to you, but maybe that's a conversation you need to have with your doctor. How are you doing? Take some time to evaluate. And then second, embrace all the sources of help your Emmanuel has provided. Has there been something that you've been afraid to engage with that's been recommended to you? The angel pointed Mary to her cousin, and that trip was a necessary part of Mary's journey. For me, I've been recommended several times over the last 30 years for me to get some counseling. And so I did. I went and got some counseling, and, and that was a necessary part of my journey. Has someone been recommending something to you, and you've been like, I don't think so. I don't know if I could do that. Nelson Mandela said that courage is not the absence of fear. But it's, it's the conquering. It's the embracing. It's the engaging even when you're fearful. Number three, take time daily this Advent for prayer, for supplication, for thanksgiving. This isn't a quick and easy fix. Some of the trauma that some of you have faced is significant. And so I don't want to try to make this sound like, well, geez, you just need to pray more. It's one of the tools it's one of the pieces, but it's also valuable. It's valuable. For me, I go to the Psalms. And not when I am, uh, when I'm angry or frustrated or disappointed or sometimes I can't even tell you what I am. Have you had that emotion? An emotion with a great big question mark? You're like, I don't even know what to call this. When I am there, I'll go to the Psalms until I find one that I resonate with. 
And I let the psalmist speak for me because I don't always know how to say it. I'm glad that we have a God who chooses to be with us that's okay with that. Maybe you had a parent that wasn't okay with the fact that you couldn't say it just right, or maybe you had a teacher that was frustrated or a spouse that looked down on you when you couldn't say it just right. That sucks. And I've been that person. But we have a God who chooses to be with us and is okay when we just come to him even when our words just kind of tumble out in no particular order. Set aside the time. Set aside a time. And then share with others whatever measure of peace that you have found. And I hope that our stories are full of peace. But whatever peace you have found, share that with others. In whatever way you've seen peace come to you through your God who chooses to be with you, share that with others because they need it. Because this world is dangerous. It's It's proven over and over again that sometimes it just doesn't care about our feelings, about who we are as a person. Sherry Peace. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.